Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. That's poetry. It is. Welcome into the Ball Blast Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Kate. And I'm Michelle. And you are listening to a proud member of the Ross Tucker Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. You can find me, Kate, on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm Michelle at BallBlastM, BallBlastEM. Fun fact for anybody who doesn't know this, uh, if Michelle says her Twitter handle... She actually spells it out even when she's talking to me. No, that was an accident. I did it one time. It was an accident. Fun so Kate fact. was like, where can I find this information at? I'm like, type in at Bob Blastum, Bob Blast DM. I'm like, oh, she she knows she was, knows how to spell my Twitter handle. It was an uncomfortable moment in our relationship. <laughs> uh, we have an, a fun podcast for you guys. So last week, uh, well, I guess technically this week, technically last week, it was one of these weeks. I tweeted out what players burned you in 2019 that you don't want to draft in 2020. Who's holding you back? We're going to talk about a lot of those players. Burn. It's yeah. really hard for a guy to burn you one year and for you to trust them enough to Derek draft Henry. Them, for you to draft them the next year. And when you yelled Derrick Henry like that, that's clearly 2018, 2017, 2018, and then you had to trust him in 2019. Obviously, right? but I wrote a beautiful profile of why you should trust Derrick Henry, despite you, the fact that he burned you on Rotoviz. She is never you going to let this go. Out. You can check it out at rotoviz.com. You guys let Kate be right about Derrick Henry, NFL. Tennessee Titans, you let Kate be right about Derrick Henry, and she's never going to let it go. To be fair, they also went uh, to the playoffs when I projected them at 3-13, and 13, so they didn't do me a ton of favors. True. And your boy is the reason why they got to the playoffs. Yeah, that was a knife to the gut. But hey, that's okay. Um, should we get into some news and notes? Yeah, because uh, talking about the Titans... There's one that kind of leads the headlines. There's not a lot of news going on. but There's yeah, not much. Let's jump in. It's just in. Breaking news. Breaking news. So, huge breaking news, right? Huge extra, breaking news. extra, read all about it. Yeah, no, don't get too excited. It's just that the Tennessee Titans coaches said that they still really like Corey Davis. Mm-hmm. This was news this week. And it's like, do you still really like Corey Davis? Or are you just saying that? It's kind of like when, you know, that you have that one acquaintance that wants to be your friend. And they're like, let's hang out. And you're like, yeah, let's hang out sometime. But it doesn't happen because you don't like them. Yeah, you're not. Like, let's hang out soon does not mean we are hanging out it soon. It means we're never hanging out. It is, it, like, if I say that to you, please know. It's not happening. Yeah, it's and it's both ways. Like, people say that to me, too, and I know this is never going to happen. Like, and you give them the little salute. That yeah. means, like, I understand this means we're not hanging out. Exactly. fine with me. They can't say, like, what else are they going to come out and say if they're asked about Corey Davis? You they, declined his fifth-year yeah, option. You declined the, your fifth overall, was fifth? Fifth he was, overall pick? He was really early. Fifth sounds about right. But, yeah, you don't decline <laughs> his fifth-year option if you really liked him, right? And you don't give a rookie, what was it, 15 more targets on the year? And that might not sound like a lot, but it's a rookie compared to a, it was supposed to be a three-year breakout for Corey Davis. They only gave him 69 targets to Corey Davis. Like, how much do you really like him? And now A.J. Brown led the offense with only 84, so you can say, okay, he was a second leader in, in target share, so maybe Ooh. they do, but... The whole, like, declining the fifth-year option, how that much... That tells you everything. Yeah, you don't really like him. But, again, like, what was the team supposed to say? No, we don't like him. He's going to be gone next year. Good. good, Goodbye. Like, they still need him to perform, but this this is silly. Don't, yeah, don't you, fall for that. Please, Corey Davis truthers, I do know you're out there. I see you posting on Twitter. I thought y'all were dead. You're not. It, they were all waiting until there's a better quarterback. Then maybe you want to dis... Uh, Ryan Tannehill and say he's not a better quarterback that you were looking for. He is but a better quarterback, though. He was really good last year, and Corey Davis still wasn't anything. So. But even outside of his performance last year, I still feel like he's a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. Okay, 
different podcast, whatever. Corey <laughs> Davis is not going to be a thing. They have to say this. They are contractually obligated to say this because Corey Davis is still on their roster. Yep. No team. Is Adam Humphreys had 47 targets compared to Corey Davis 69. But Adam Humphreys only played 12 games. So if he plays the 15, that gets a little bit closer in a gap. And it's like, all right, like, I don't know. <laughs> Tadre Sharp had 35. I get that's a big difference from 69. But I, I, Corey Davis, no, I'm not buying into nope. him. I'll be fine with missing out on him. I'm definitely not touching him. Redraft, he could fall to the very last round. I'm not even taking the chance on him because he's a guy that you're always going to hold out hope for. It's We've not played happen. this game. Yeah. In Dynasty, I guess he's worth nothing. So if you loved his talent coming out of school and you want to go buy him, then fine. Fine. But still, no. But still, no. <laughs> Next on the news, another guy who took a little bit to break out and he did it last year, finally stayed healthy. Dalvin Cook stayed pretty much healthy the whole year he actually did have an injury during the fantasy playoffs worst time there shoulder Shoulder injury injury. and actually he had that shoulder injury a little bit earlier on than when he missed games and he actually really hurt people when he was playing because he was he was pretty bad in those games his efficiency went way down and the issue was that he was active for all those games he was still getting touches in those games so it wasn't like you know one of those situations where the oc comes out and says yeah we're gonna limit dalvin this week We're on a first-name basis, by the way. Um, It's not one of those situations where they indicated that he would get less work. It was just that you were trusting him to assume the same role that he would always have and assume the same production, and he didn't. Dalvin Cook was one of those guys, if you owned him, he probably brought you to the playoffs. It's probably a really big reason why you got to the fantasy playoffs. But then he probably lost you the week in Week 15, and then he sat out. So it's one of those things where... It's been so long now that Dalvin Cook has not been healthy. You can go all the way back through school. He's had an injury every single year for the last six or seven years. It's pretty wild. Now he's saying that he might hold out if he doesn't get that contract extension from the Vikings. He said he's willing to sit out the whole year. I mean, this is just talk right now. It's very early on. They could still give him that contract extension. What what are your feelings about this? Like, I'm totally down for running backs to get paid. They put a lot in their bodies. But you have to also think about the team side. He's never healthy. You have to think about the team side and the fact that not only is he never fully healthy, you also have to look at the fact that they don't have a ton of money. Like, the Vikings are one of the teams in the NFL that have – just overall, their money is tied up very... They traded away Stephon Diggs to get some helps. money. That helps. But do they then want to then use that money they traded away Stephon Diggs for, another one of their other best assets on the offense, to then go pay their running back? When Alexander Madison, no, maybe he's not Delvin Cook right now, and everyone said James Conner wasn't Le'Veon Bell, but it doesn't really matter that much. Like, if they can perform, they're not going to change the win-loss record that much. And I know it matters a lot for fantasy, and maybe Alexander Madison won't be as good as Delvin Cook in fantasy, but I don't think for the Vikings themselves that Delvin Cook or Alexander Madison is going to change the win-loss column by that much. I absolutely agree, and I do think, like, look at the way that they've doled out their money. They've they've doled it out to the wide receivers. They gave Kyle Rudolph a very like their defense is dying lately yeah, like they need to they need to pay up and other I think yeah. they are freeing up some money in other ways they could trade Kyle Rudolph or cut him and get a, a little bit of cash back not not a ton but they they do have some room to you know make some moves but I don't think that paying Dalvin Cook is the way to go. It's not, I, I, I see the talent that Dalvin Cook brings. The injuries scare me, and then the position scares me. And I'm totally down for Dalvin Cook saying he wants his money before he plays. Like I'm not hating on him for that, but we haven't seen it work out for these running backs that are holding out who asked for these big contracts. Like It's just it's not working out for them. So here is here's sort of my, my overall take on it. I want running backs to get paid. I think that they should be paid more than they are. I think that the market should be better for running backs, given the the sacrifice that they make for their bodies and the uh, the overall lack of longevity in their career. But the issue is you have to read the market. 
You you have yeah. to read the market, and the market's not there right now. Well, at first it came out, the news came out that he's asking for CMC money, which is like $16 million a year. He's no. not getting that. He was heavily involved in the offense last year, and he did get a lot of targets, but still like half the targets CMC got. He's not the same player in that way. He's not a wide receiver and a running back. You're not going to get CMC money. He's a good receiving running and back. And CMC is also the most durable like, you can rely on him week in and week out. He's not going to miss time. He is the most durable white boy you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Truth. And with Dalvin Cook, like, there's so many issues going against him. But then in the last couple days, he did say that he'd be very happy taking $13 million a year. I still think that's overpaying. But I, I get why Dalvin Cook's asking for it. It's one of those tricky situations, and I don't know if it, it happens. Alexander Madison's a, a decent running back. They drafted him in the third round last year, probably expecting this moment to happen. Why else are you... I mean, also because Dalvin Cook gets injured, so they're doing insurance, uh, you know. They, they drafted him for insurance yeah. for that reason as well. But I'm sure they expected this to happen. I think he's going to have to come way down on his price, probably like $9, 10000000 million for them to sign him to that long-term deal. And we'll see I if it happens. I just think in general... I think he should take that. Take $10 million a year for four years, make your money. That's really good for a running back. And I, I'm not one to talk because I don't know what kind of, you know, what they're putting on their body. They can be... No, I think the Especially with Cook, is, who gets injured all the time. You can You can say that you want him to take a lower deal, but... Like, the reality is the owners could probably just give a little more. And, like, the cap space is going up, so they're probably They is... said for 2021 the cap space is going down. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's breaking news because I haven't heard that. That's the recent news is that they expect the cap space to go down next year instead of up. And it's probably a big hit from it is probably from the pandemic, right? Like, stuff is messing with all of the economy. So I think that's... We were expecting the the salary cap to keep going up. I guess next year is supposed to go down. That could really hurt him. And when they were when they brought up... I think it was like a month and a half, two months ago, they brought up that they were in talks with Delvin Cook for a contract. We have no idea what they, they put out there. But that's when everyone was expecting this salary cap to go up next year. Yeah. So they probably thought they had a little more room to work. Does this, uh, like drop in salary cap potential drop does that affect Patrick Mahomes and the mega deal he's about to get because he has to be signed to a long-term deal like yesterday or or tomorrow he's still going to be the highest paid by far I don't know if that affects does that affect his ceiling the thing that's different about Patrick Mahomes and Delvin Cook is that the win-loss column is going to look a lot different with Patrick Mahomes or the backup compared to Devin Cook or Alexander Madison. Like, I don't even know if there's a one-game difference. We have two of the best running backs in the league in Saquon Barkley, in CMC, and then we can add a third in Nick Chubb. He's so good. And all of those teams sucked last year. Like, running backs don't make a difference. And then you have the Super Bowl-winning champions, Damian Williams, who was one of the worst on the ground by far besides three runs. And they, they win a Super Bowl. And then you have Sam Fran in the Super Bowl where they just throw in any running back. It doesn't matter. Any old body. And they're all good. It's all about system. It's all about the offensive line. And I do actually think that running back talent matters to a point, but I don't know if it, like, I think it matters for fantasy football to a point. I don't know if it matters for winning games. So I don't know if they pay him. And then that becomes a fantasy football issue because you're drafting Dalvin Cook in the first seven picks. If and if you draft him, you have to handcuff yeah. him with hopefully, Alexander Madison. Hopefully by redraft season when you're just picking your normal redraft league. and you, we, Hopefully we have an answer by then. But if we don't, I'm not going to risk it. There's so many guys right around him that can score the same amount. Like, I would just take Kenyon Drake over him. Like, Do you think the scoring is going to be all that different at the end of the year that it's worth taking the risk for Delvin Cook? No, I think so many people have been burned by Le'Veon Bell that... I am the biggest Joe Mixon hater, and at that point, if we're getting to this season and Dalvin Cook was holding out, I would pick Joe Mixon over Dalvin Cook. Cause what? What's the point? Like, why risk it when they're all going to be around the same anyways? You risk it for the biscuit. Moving on, Daniel Jones... Yeah, that was a long combo about Dalvin Cook. Yeah, Daniel Jones is working on ball security this season, so that's That made awesome. it into our new segment. Yeah, yeah, hopefully you're working on ball security. Can you imagine if he was like, no, I'm not working on it. No, it's not one of my I goals. turned it over all the time, but I'm not going to work on that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you're working on it. Get better, dude. But Next. I'm, I'm just saying, we. I feel like generally speaking, we are relatively high on Daniel Jones, and mm-hmm. we're 
We're yeah. high on his upside, so that just makes me that makes me feel tingly. Lamar Jackson had one million fumbles a game his rookie season, and he was fine. One million per game. That's one a, million per that's game. That's a pro football. Focus you can stat. work on ball security. It's a little bit harder for interceptions, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But he can definitely work on his, his fumbles. His issues were fumbles. So. Yeah, he can work on his. Well, he threw. A lot he of threw picks, too. but I will say overall. His his fumbles were way worse to me. You can work on that. He'll work on it. I'm taking Daniel Jones late. We'll get into the schedule a little bit more in later podcasts because his beginning schedule is very scary. Yeah. Uh, Drew Locke, he's been thrown to Jerry Judy daily. For Denver. Haven't seen that headline about Cortland Sutton. That's all I'm saying. That's actually interesting. I wonder if Cortland Sutton's there and they just kind of left that out. Jerry Judy's a great talent. I do think we're so scared about this landing spot. Drew Locke, in five of his six starts, threw under 208 yards or threw 208 or less. It's just like, is he going to be able to sustain multiple good wide receivers? And maybe it goes all to Jerry Judy, right? And Sutton sucks. But it's really hard to decide which one because I don't think there can be two really great wide receivers in that offense. And then you also throw in Noah Fant, and then you throw in Melvin Gordon, and you throw in Phil Lindsay. It's just and like, Albert O. <laughs> Albert O. It's not going to do anything. Drew Locke could maybe be good because of all these options. It makes me really scared of picking anyone in here because you have to pick right, and I don't know which one's going to get. Uh, the Denver offense screams Cleveland Browns in yes, 2019. they do. They do. It, it's scary. Uh, so let's let's start uh, getting into some stuff. So before we do get into our segment, we have to talk about my front page story. We've been talking about this since Mother's Day. The best, most personal gift in the entire world. You get to work an interview with a actual newspaper journalist to create a front page headliner for your father or your mother or literally anybody who's deserving of a awesome awesome personalized gift and for mother's day we're saying like do sentimental right and maybe your dad likes that too and that's fantastic if he's a cheese ball yeah if he's a cheese ball that's awesome but some guys are super funny right like some dads just like love stupid dad jokes make a funny article that he can put up in his garage or do like a sports story like just make you can be as creative as you want just put it in a man cave i promise your dad read the newspaper for a long time at some point maybe he doesn't know but at some point, your father read the newspaper, and he would love that. And it just sounds like an awesome gift for Father's Day. Absolutely. Forget the coffee mug. Forget the tie. Do something actually original this year. And as a gift to you, we have a promo code BLAST20 for 20% off of your purchase on My Front Page Story. That's BLAST20, myfrontpagestory.com. I am like a tiger. And Dwight is like a monkey that stabs a tiger in the back with a stick. Does the tiger fire the monkey? Does the tiger transfer the monkey to another branch? Pun. Speaking of dad jokes, we are going to get into those guys that burned you in the 2019 NFL season. Who are you going back to in 2020? Who is off your list for the rest of all time? Who is your permanent breakup buddy? Who's who's dead to you is what I want to know. You just brought up one of the guys, right? He's not he's not dead to me at all, but you just brought up that Drew Locke feels a lot like Baker Mayfield last something, year something. in that same offense. And a lot of people are comparing Kyler Murray to Baker's situation. I would compare Drew Locke to Baker's situation. So the reason why Kyler Murray's out of this question where I think he's going to just completely bust like Baker did last year is because of the rushing upside. It's just a complete cheat code for fantasy. His floor is just so safe. And then for Baker, you don't have that floor at all, right? So I'm going to get into that with talking about him. So last year, he was a complete bust. You People were drafting him in the top 10 quarterbacks last season. Some Sometimes even top seven. Yeah, top seven, top six. People got crazy. So they were so excited because OBJ just came to town. He had Landry and Chubb and Hunt was going to come in the middle of the season. And everything was going to be fantastic because he was so good his rookie season. And he just, like, changed the entire franchise. And then you drafted him that high, and he was really bad. Like, 
I don't even know where he ended up, but you couldn't use him on a weekly basis. He had a couple good games. He had some negative games. Like it was it it was bad, and it wasn't pretty to watch either. As a as a Baker fan, as a Cleveland fan, our dog is named Baker. So anyone listening, just know we don't hate Baker Mayfield. This is not a hate Baker Mayfield segment. It's just a reality segment. For fantasy football, he just still has too low of a floor for me because he doesn't have that rushing upside. Kevin Stefanski is a new uh, head coach. He loves to run the ball. So Kevin Stefanski was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings last year who ran the ball a gazillion times, right? That was uh, the actual measurement I, of yeah, the I, amount of times. I'm always very exaggerative. Exaggerative? Exaggerate. I don't know what I don't know what the adjective for exaggerative is. I, I think they were thirtieth um, in the league in rushing attempts. So he's bringing that over to Cleveland. He loves to run the ball. That's like what he's known to do. And then they have Chubb and Hunt there. Like they have two of the best running backs in the league together. And the only reason they can do that is because Hunt got in a lot of trouble for, you know, doing some bad things uh, off the field that we won't get into again. That was last off season. But so they have two of the best running backs in the league. Chubb, I think, is the best pure runner in the league, or at least, you know, up there. I think they're going to run the ball so much. And then you don't have that upside where Baker is going to run it. So how many times is he really going to get the chance to pass the ball? I can see him being under 500. I really can. And I think he's going to be a better quarterback for it, better NFL quarterback for that. I just don't see it. It's not going to work out for fantasy because it's like Kirk Cousins last year like he was a pretty good quarterback last year NFL quarterback fantasy you didn't want him because there wasn't enough attempts do like do you see him getting any better this year for fantasy not for real life the only so I know you're likening Baker to a Kirk Cousins um the only I, I mean I don't think Baker's uh as as developed as Kirk Cousins I feel like Kirk Cousins is such an underrated quarterback oh, yeah, he's great Just, in terms of his overall performance. And there is no me comparing him to Kirk Cousins in a okay. bad way. I think but, they're great. But I do think, like, so this is the only thing in the back of my mind that says, what if you what if you missed on Baker? All right? I think it'll be fine. You know what it is? It's Ryan Tannehill and seeing what the run game was able to do for Ryan Tannehill because I guarantee you if Derrick Henry wasn't there popping off like 40-yard runs every Mm -hmm. five minutes, he would not have been able to accomplish that sort of efficiency. And I do think that that sort of efficiency on the ground is what's going to open things up for Baker. You get a healthy OBJ. Hopefully you get a healthy Jarvis Landry. I don't know. You get Austin Hooper, who I, I think overall we've been down on his talent, but if he's getting the targets and they're able to get him into an open zone, you have David Njoku. You, like... Well, the biggest part is that they added two great pieces to their offensive line. So their offensive line was terrible last year. You could see Baker running for his life, and he was just freaked out by the end. They they traded away his best offensive lineman for a defensive lineman that wasn't even any good. And that, that, that was a massive mistake on the Browns' end. But they did draft, I thought, one of the best left tackles in the league, or in the draft this year in 2020. I couldn't believe he fell that far. And then they dra- or they signed right tackle Jack Conklin from Tennessee. He was one of the best right tackles in the league. So they added two big pieces on that line to you know be the ends there, which the tackles can really make a massive di- difference for quarterback protection. I, I think that's good for Baker. I, like I said, I think Baker has a much better season statistically. I think his numbers look good. His completion percentage will go up. His touchdown percentage will go up. His interceptions will go down. I, I think overall he has a much better year, but I think his attempts like go down or they stay the same, and I just don't know the ceiling for him. Are you going to feel comfortable playing him? And then you have to also think about his division, right? You have the Ravens, who is, has some of the best corners and safeties in the league, and then the Steelers, who just like were one of the most dominant defenses last year. He has to, that's four of his games. Four of his games right there just against two teams. Yeah, that's that's definitely a daunting schedule, and you don't want to count on the guy that has to face the best defenses in the league because I don't think, um, you know, just looking at a a personnel perspective and, and seeing who these guys still have under contract in terms of the, the defenses in the NFC North, I don't see anybody falling out of contention. Nobody lost any major pieces. 
like I think the the NFC North is still going to have one of the best defensive divisions in the NFL in 2020. Yep, I agree. And I'm all in on Baker being better, like I said, in the NFL. I think Cleveland can win 10 games. I'm just off of Baker in fantasy. I'm not touching him. If he proves me wrong, I'll be so happy. I'm a massive Baker fan. Like, I'm happy for you, but I'm going to take a different guy that has a a higher floor and a higher ceiling because I just don't know Baker's ceiling without any rushing upside with how much they're going to run the ball. His ceiling's very limited, and his floor is scary. Out of curiosity, where would... Where would Baker have to fall before you? you, you Nowhere. I mean, he could fall wherever. We're we're going to be in one quarterback drafts. You're going not to in what? Not in a one quarterback in a two quarterback league. Where would you? Where well, let's you discuss because I think most of our listeners probably play in one quarterback league. So he could fall as far as the last round, and I'm already going to have a, a different quarterback A probably somewhere in the later rounds, but. There's just, uh, like, Matthew Stafford's going to fall. Daniel Jones is going to fall. Josh Allen is going to fall enough where I feel very comfortable taking him in the 8th, ninth round. So you're saying that there are enough guys that will drop far enough that have yeah. a higher upside that you'd rather go yep. upside. And a lot of it is the higher floor, too, right? I just think Baker's floor is what we saw last year, and it's gross. It's unusable, and you just wasted a draft pick on him, and you plugged him into your lineup too many times before you gave up on him. That's okay. that's the biggest issue. And then in a two-quarterback league, yeah, he's going to be on someone's team. I mean, it's going to have to happen, but I I would want – I guess I'd be okay with him as my quarterback too, but I wouldn't be excited about it. Like right. I would rather Gardner Minshew as my quarterback too than Baker. That's how low I am. And I really like Gardner Minshew, so it's not to hate on Baker that hard, but Gardner Minshew has more upside to me, and he has that rushing ability. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. So I think the general consensus, um, I think you won that one. And I... I, Is there winning? Weren't you against Baker, too? uh, So I... Are we, like, competing here? No, no. Because I, like, in my head, I agree with you. My heart has that what if factor because I could well, see Well, he's our dog's a, uncle, of course. He is our dog's uncle, Uncle Baker. We call him Uncle Baker when we watch him on TV. We love yeah, Baker. We do need to get him a jersey, but yeah. I, I, there are a lot of factors that are the what if factors that could intrigue me in a super flex or two quarterback league. Um, but I agree, I'm out in the, in the one quarterback format. How about Leonard Fournette? So this is actually a super interesting one because – when I posted this question to Twitter about who burned you and who who you're you're nervous about yeah. taking in 2020, Leonard Fournette was a common How? name. This is what this is why the only reason we're talking about this is why is this a common name? Where did you draft Leonard he Fournette was the last RB7 year? RB7 in PPR. Yeah, and Fournette. there's no way you drafted him as RB7. You definitely drafted him later than that. Or maybe even around that, but he was an RB7, guys. In PPR, With- um, just three touchdowns. So I guess if you're standard, right, he probably really hurt you in yeah. a standard league. And PPR, he was fantastic. He had 100 targets. He was amazing. He only had three touchdowns, and that's not that's not a normal Leonard Fournette. Like he normally scores a decent amount of touchdowns per touch, and that went that cut in half last year. So it was like. I had to find the numbers when you get into it. I'll find the numbers. But his numbers cut in half for the touchdowns that he scored throughout his career from last year per touch. And I think that goes back up. Like, there's no reason to think not. Whenever someone, like Aaron Jones, he scored a ton. We think it's going to go down. Kamara scored so little. We think it's going to go up. And then for some reason with Leonard Fournette, all we talk about is that his targets are going to go down because it's unlikely he gets another 100-target season. But... He could lose so many targets and just go up to his normal career average of touchdowns per touch, and it's it's going to even out. And it's he gonna makes be up fine. for it yeah. so quickly. And he's still going to be the running back seven, and for some reason he's going as the running back 16. He's going after the likes of you know Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs, who are involved in the passing game. Joe Mixon, who has never done what Leonard Fournette did last year. He's going well behind those three guys. And then you're looking right ahead of him, Miles Sanders, who only started being productive in that offense once Jordan Howard went down and there was no other pass options. And I, I really like him, but over Leonard Fournette, who's already no. done it? No. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who love his talent. But he's a rookie, and as much as I love to hate Damian Williams, he's probably still going to be involved, right? And I really love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but the ceiling you're hoping for is Leonard Fournette last year. 
what is changing for Leonard Fournette that all of a sudden that he's dropping this many spots when nothing else is changing? He still so has Gardner Minshew. What happened was what had happened was mm-hmm. he also like another uh, another player we had just discussed, Corey Davis. He did not have his fifth year option picked up, and I think that is sticking in people's brains because. There have been trade rumors surrounding Leonard Fournette, but my argument, my counter argument to that is wherever Leonard Fournette goes, he is a receiving weapon. He's a workhorse. A team's not trading for him, and that uh, an offer that Jacksonville would take unless a big injury happens and they're desperate. So wherever he goes, he's going to have a big role, right? Yeah, or they're trading such significant capital that. They have to play him. There's there's no team right now that's going to trade for him. Like it's just not going to happen. And if it does end up happening, it's like it's it's because of a big injury. So he's going to have a massive role. There's no way I see in 2020 he doesn't get massive volume. I don't even think Leonard Fournette is a talented running back. I really don't. He's bad in like every metric. He's actually a garbage running back. But he Whoa, gets. He okay. was not even a good running back in college in all of the metrics. He was bad. He just had a lot of volume. What about his and brother it out. Leonard? <laughs> Leonard quit, and it kind of seems like it goes with Leonard because Leonard doesn't like playing in the cold, and he, uh, you know, he's laughing on the sidelines while losing. Like, there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of reasons why okay, not let's to not, like like get caught up yeah. on the laughing on the sidelines that's while fine losing. there's like, but jacksonville clearly doesn't like um i don't know like yeah i don't we're talking let's talk redraft 2020 i'm taking an easy shot on leonard Fournette. Oh, i'm taking him everywhere because his price is way too low he will be a running back top 10 again in ppr next year even if you're in a dynasty startup draft, he's well worth the price. Dynasty scares me more. You have to I, dude, because I it. personally don't think he's a talented running back. So now you're going to have to hope that a a team thinks he is, right? He still has to get this contract. So I'm saying right now, if a team trades for him, it's because they're desperate, they need him, they're gonna play him. So 2020 redraft is different for me. And dynasty, you but need But he's gonna hit the free agency market. Yeah. So like but look you're at the going running to... backs who who hit free agency like this past year. So you're, you're going to need a team to completely ignore data. Like they they don't look at the stats if they like Leonard Fournette and they're going to pay him. It means and there are some teams still out there that they ignore stats completely. They just don't think analytics matter. You're they're going to have to ignore that because Fournette has been not great efficiency like, wise. Let's let's be honest. Sometimes the analytics don't matter. Sometimes like so they matter obviously when you're defining who is a true They don't matter for fantasy. truly talented running back. But when you look at the fact that it, you know sometimes it is who's getting the carries and who yep. has a workhorse role. I think that Leonard Fournette is a guy that I don't think his his reputation has been tarnished enough for him not to earn another starting gig in a workhorse role with so we're, catching upside. We're in love with this rookie class, right? Next rookie class is supposed to be great, too. There's already no spots. And, yes, there's a lot of guys that need a new contract, and, and maybe some of them can get it, some of them don't. But then they're also going to take up spots. It's like, where does Fournette end up? Because I, I think if Jacksonville wanted to keep him, they would have just done the fifth-year option, right? So where does he end up that's a better situation in 2021? So I'm off of him in Dynasty. I totally get that. And when we're, like, I feel bad because I feel like when we're talking about Dynasty, some people don't know what that is. So Dynasty, on a, a quick way to explain it. It's, yeah, pitch it real quick. So you, you draft a team, right? And it, it can be any time of the year. It can be in January, right after the season, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, anytime before the season, you draft a team and they are yours forever. So if you pick Leonard Fournette, he's yours forever until you trade him. Like you can still trade. Until you decide otherwise. Yes. Until you trade him or you drop him. Like he stays with you from year in and year out. So whoever you pick, they are yours for many years as you want them to be. And then each year after your startup draft, you take rookies, right? So if you start your startup in 2020 and you take all the vets and, you know, you do all that, in 2021, you will be drafting 2021 rookies. And you just do a rookie draft. So it's like a five-round rookie draft. And you just go like through, the NFL. Yeah, just like the NFL. So you go by the worst team in the league drafts first. The best team in the league drafts last. And it's not a snake draft. So, you know, in regular drafts, it's a snake draft. And, and these rookie drafts, it's not a snake draft because, you you know, you have the same team. You're in and you're out. So you want the bad teams to get better. 
from each year. Yeah. So it, it's a lot of fun. It makes you engage all year long instead of just the NFL yeah, season. Yeah, you get off-season trades, oh. which is so much fun. That's the part of... And there's a lot of strategy that goes into it because you have to think about age. You have to think about production. So with Leonard Fournette, I can say I absolutely love him for 2020. Redraft, I'm going to be drafting him everywhere. Dynasty, I'm not touching him. Okay, I think that's fair. Um, what about another guy who hasn't been very popular in Dynasty formats? Although... Last year, you could have drafted him in, what, the third or fourth round. Sir Adam Thielen of the Minnesota Vikings, wide receiver, has a ton of opportunity in a run-first offense. But you you have all of these, uh, quote-unquote, vacated targets uh, when it comes to Stephon Diggs. He's gone. Even with a low passing volume, don't you have to believe in Adam Thielen as a PPR machine in 2020? Oh, absolutely. And standard, he's going to be great, too, because with Kirk Cousins, he prefers to throw to Adam Thielen in the end zone. So he had nine touchdowns with Kirk Cousins that first year in 2018. And then last year, he had he had six, but he was only healthy for seven games. So in weeks one through seven, he had six touchdowns. He was on pace for 13 receiving touchdowns. Probably wouldn't happen. Like, it was a crazy pace. But Thielen's still the guy that Cousins looks for in that red zone, end zone area. So that's really good news for Thielen. Thielen was hurt all last year. Like, he is a very good wide receiver, but he got hurt early, and it just, like, kind of stayed with him. So I don't think it's fair to judge him from last year. And the whole offense, in a whole, like, besides Delvin Cook, they struggled because they never passed the ball. And I, I don't think we can look at last year and think that's going to be the same thing that happens this year. Because like I brought up before with Baker, Kevin Stefanski was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings last year. He's now with Cleveland. He's gone. So they, they were 30th in passing attempts last year. Kirk Cousins only had 444 passing attempts in 2019. That's crazy low. Like that's really, really crazy low. Now Gary Kubiak is the OC. And he does like to run, too. So this is still fine news for Delvin Cook. He still likes to run. But he's more in the middle. So, like, all of his passing attempts, like if you go from every year that he's been a head coach or offensive coordinator, he's normally around that middle area, 17, 18, 19th in passing attempts. So he's nowhere around that middle. But he has had multiple years where he was top 10 in passing attempts for his offense. So I do think Kirk Cousins' attempts go Oh, maybe not by a ton, but he was at 6.06 in 2018, dropped all the way to 4.44, passing attempts in 2019 and 15 games. So I do think that can go up to the middle. We're, we're at 5.50, and there's a lot to go around, and there's not too many players for targets to go around, Like, right? We have Adam Thielen. We have rookie Justin Jefferson. Like, What are your thoughts? Uh, I actually do expect... So Ola B.C. Johnson is a guy that I'm looking to buy in Dynasty Leagues. I know, like, your eyes... <laughs> I just gave you the biggest eye roll. Yeah, it was it was actually the worst. But he was actually able to uh, contribute. Able to what? He was able to contribute more than I expected <laughs> able, in his rookie because he was not he was not. I believe he was undrafted. If he was not undrafted, he was drafted very late. Um, he was not expecting to step into a role where he would actually be utilized in 2019, and he actually did okay. So I, I actually do think that Olabisi Johnson will be involved. I definitely expect Irv Smith Jr. to take a, a step up. But when I'm looking at the guys in these this off, I like Adam Thielen is the centerpiece for You'd me. even bring up first round pick. Oh, Justin Jefferson. Well, Justin Jefferson. But again, I, I don't know how much they they will involve him from the get go. I do think that um I could project him for probably seventy targets. I, I think is perfectly reasonable but it's not going to be impactful for fantasy football it's not going to be impactful on uh Kirk Cousins performance I I just think he's going to be involved yeah and I think the ceiling we can say is what 100 targets that's very rare that's very rare for a rookie especially in a a run first offense so yeah so a, a run first offense that already has a wide receiver one on the team right so we saw last year where we had A.J. Brown kind of go off. Well, he was a wide receiver one because Corey Davis is a joke. And then we had Terry McLaurin go off. Well, he was the only receiving option in that offense. Deontay Johnson, I mean, I guess Juju was still there, but he was hurt. Like, we have a lot of these things where a lot of guys in their rookie season, they have a lot of targets because there's not a lot of other options there. So with Justin Jefferson there, I think the top, top ceiling is 100 targets, and that's being really nice. 
to him. I so, think that's very generous. And I that's with only BC that you think will be involved, not being involved at all. I don't know. It, it's not that I think he's going to have this huge role. I just think he's going to have a role bigger than what people expect. I do think that there are going to be weeks where you can stream old BC Johnson, quote it, write it down. Remember when you laughed that way when I talked about Derrick Henry? Okay, you're just going to hold on to that. What about when you talked about Kiki Cootie that way? I never did that. Yeah, exactly. No, but I think Adam Dalen's going to be great with Stefan Diggs gone. I do think the passing times go up with Gary Kubiak. And his ADP right now is, is very nice. I mean, last year he was going high because he had that crazy first half of 2018. And I was very high on Adam Thielen as well in 2019. I think he was like my running, or my wide receiver six going into 2019. Very clearly wrong, but he got injured a lot and I, the team yeah, didn't pass I the ball. I, I think he would have been probably more involved if he hadn't been injured. But interestingly, I did look at the splits using the road of his tool for Adam Thielen in terms of his targets per game. So with uh, Kirk Cousins playing, In games that he's had five or more targets, he's averaged 20 points per game. And that's PPR format. In the games where he's seen fewer than five targets, he's averaged around seven PPR points. And I know that's like intuitive, like the more targets you get, the more points you should have uh, probably earned if you're a decent wide receiver. But I think when we have to uh, assess this is the fact that the target availability should be there. So I'm looking at his ADP, and I'm looking at Fantasy Pros, and it's not going to be exact ADP right now. We're really easy, really early on in the summer, right? So, But normally it's Dynasty that impacts these this ADP, and you'd think Thielen at 30 would be lower. He's still going as a wide receiver 15, which actually is higher than I would have thought. So we've done a lot of drafts, and I feel like this is just not accurate in what we've seen. Yeah, but maybe in different drafts it is. Like I, I feel like Thielen drops further, but going right in front of him is Juju and Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup. I think that's all fair. Going behind him is AJ Brown. I think I'd rather AJ Brown. Cortland Sutton, Keenan Allen, Calvin Ridley. Like okay, I think that's all fair. Robert Woods. Yeah, that's all fair. I will never get behind DJ Chark's ADP. I'll just never get behind it. I just can't believe how low it is. It's going. He's the wide receiver 24 compared to Adam Thielen 15. Give me a chark all day long. I, I, I can't get behind that. But there's a lot of guys after Thielen where it's questionable at that point. So I do think his ADP is actually pretty fair, and it's not a, a huge value, which I'm shocked with how bad he was last year. Yeah, I, I, I am um, surprised that it's not a bigger value, but I still think that it, we've already seen his upside, and that's – I'll take that value for the upside that I could get. We do have a, a a few more to go here. I think we hit on the big ones. Let's let's try to do a power round here. Okay. AJ Green. Nope. <laughs> can, can we just end with that? <laughs> Is no? that the power round? Um, he doesn't want to be in Cincinnati. I'm 100% with you. There are a lot of people still holding on to the potential of AJ Green and the fact that, well, he never got to play in 2019. He's still going as the wide receiver 30. He's still going ahead of Tyler Boyd, who's been better than him. He's going ahead of Michael Gallup, who has done nothing but That's been fantastic disgusting. in his short career. He's going ahead of Darius Slayton, Deontay Johnson. Like, there's so many. Mike Williams, Marvin Jones, even. Same there's age. so much upside there. And the fact John that Brown. he is 32. I'd rather John Brown than AJ Green. I think that's fair. Um, No, he is going to be 32 at the start of the 2020 NFL season, and he hasn't played football in a year. Like, remember how concerned everybody was when Lev Bell, the 26-year-old running back, it's been more than a year in off season. He only played nine games in 2018. Absolutely true. Yeah. So everyone was upset by that because they drafted him early, and he only had 694 yards because he only played nine games, and then they fell for it again in 2019. I mean, 2017 was the last year he played a full 16 games, which I guess is only, what, two, I guess, three seasons ago. He played 16 games. He had 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns. Like, it's fine. It's fine. But he was also only 29 then. And he's 32 now with a rookie quarterback. He hasn't been fantastic since 2015 where he had 1,300 yards. That's 2015. It might not sound like a long time ago. We're in 2020. Like, that is a really long time ago. Has he played his whole career with Andy Dalton? Yeah. 
I mean, he's had games where Andy Dalton's missed, but he's played his entire career with Andy Dalton. But, like, that's been his start. And that, yeah. that's another thing that sort of sticks out in the back of my mind. Not that a, a an elite, like, A.J. Green is an elite wide receiver, maybe not now for fantasy football, but he is one of those elite talents. And not to say that I can't, I, I can't picture him uh, being able to accommodate a rookie wide receiver. Sometimes you'll see those wide receiver ones just accumulate all of those targets because they're the first read. It's not to say that, but it's just like it's a period of adjustment. And if you're already coming back from a injury-riddled two seasons, I'd rather not bet on it. You just did a whole research on wide receivers, how they produce with rookie quarterbacks. Yes. And what was the average? 800 and something yards? 800 yards, around, I think, six touchdowns. That was the wide receiver one. The wide receiver one for any respected team. And I, I did, um, you know, you can define wide receiver one in a, a bunch of different ways, but I just literally looked at who, which wide receiver on that team led their team in receiving yards. Um, none of those wide receivers, period, uh, of any quarterbacks that started 14 or more games rookie quarterback rookie quarterbacks mm-hmm. uh, none of them exceeded seven touchdowns yeah. literally not one and only a, f- a handful of ones exceeded a thousand yards right and they were mostly like hall of fame yeah <laughs> future hall of famers it's it's definitely not something that i'm excited when you're about. average so you're looking at all the rookie quarterbacks over what what how long was it 2010 uh, since 2010, to start 14 or more games in the rookie season. Um, so there are 16 quarterbacks that did that. The average, let's see, the average wide receiver won on the team, average 843 yards, 3.9 touchdowns. Right. That was the wide receiver one. Wide receivers to average uh, or to accumulate more than 1,000 receiving yards with their rookie quarterback, Reggie Wayne, Steve Smith, Mike Evans. <laughs> A.J. Green, yeah. when he was, like, a baby, mm-hmm. and Brian Hartline. So it was with Andy Dalton? Yes, it was with Andy Dalton. Um, Brian Hartline It is interesting elite. that we're talking about this, and A.J. Green was one of them, but I do think being 23 and being 32 is a very big difference. They're actually inverse numbers. <laughs> they are. And it's, maybe A.J. Green can put it all together, and he can somehow stay healthy when he hasn't been able to, and he can somehow beat these rookie quarterback odds and I'm just not dealing with it. I'm not. I'm not because, yeah, he's going later than usual, but he's still going as a wide receiver 30. He's I'd going, rather take the upside He's going else. two spots behind Terry McLaurin. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, I would much rather take the upside of Terry McLaurin or Debo Samuel, and I'm not even a big Debo Samuel fan. You have Tyler Boyd going after him. Yes, give me Tyler Boyd. He's been great. And he actually was better with A.J. Green on the field. And then I cannot believe Michael Gallup is that low. Why yeah, is he for 33? All because I took <laughs> CeeDee Lamb? Come on. Yeah. He's that's... going to be the biggest steal of 2020 redrafts. Oh, he absolutely will. The quietest wide receiver with 1,000 receiving yards in 2019, Michelle. Let's go on to our next guy because we love him. Juju. Juju. Juju Smith-Schuster, he killed us last year. We all were drafting him in the first round, second round, early second round at the latest. I feel like killed us last Ooh. year is putting it so kindly. He yeah. destroyed and obliterated. Because you had a pl- you, like, you played him when he was healthy and he just didn't do anything. He was hurt for most of the year, right? Like we have to say that he he got turf toe early on in the year. That messes with you. You can't run he had your a routes as well. A knee injury. Knee injury. Like he just had injuries all year long. So, but also when he did play, he was very bad. Is that because of Mason Rudolph? Is that because of Duck Hodges? What was going on? So let me also make this argument. And you could also, you could sort of twist this in both ways. So again, I was looking at a lot of target splits this week. And for Juju in 2019, when he had over five targets or five or more targets per game, he averaged uh, nearly 70 yards per game, uh, almost five receptions, half a touchdown. So like, that's not terrible. That's not as terrible as he performed. But the real issue is that he just wasn't seeing work. He wasn't seeing the targets that a true number one wide receiver should see. You could twist that to say, well, he wasn't separating. He wasn't yeah. 
he he didn't you know divert enough cut like you could make a million arguments against juju with that fact but i do think it's interesting that when he saw more work he was able to be more productive and i think that's a good point because you said when he has more than five targets he was actually really decent and when he didn't he struggled obviously well if you're not going to get targets like he's not that deep guy especially with mason rudolph and duck hodges but if we're looking at more than five targets here and he's actually a really decent wide receiver i understand that because he only played one game with ben that was healthy like ben was only healthy during the new england game that was week one i feel like people think ben played longer than he did he played for one and a half games but he actually got hurt in the new england game which was week one like that's where he got his elbow injury but anyways in that week one game juju had eight targets 78 yards and at the end of that game, we were like, oh, that's kind of disappointing for Juju. But then at the end of the season, and you go look to see what wide receivers produce against New England's defense, it was like one of the best. It was top five in in the whole year. That was like one of the best wide receiver performances on the year against that New England defense. So Can I just say that that was probably the ugliest, worst game I've ever watched oh, in my life? Oh, that was terrible. That was so bad. That was like, <laughs> I never want to go back to that game. New England versus Pittsburgh. That was so bad. But... Eight targets, right? 78 yards. That's great. And then we go to the Seattle game, and Ben can only get through one half, and he decides his elbow is just not right, and he sits out the rest of the time. He had five targets in that first half with Seattle, with Ben. And Ben was hurt. So if we're going to look at that five-target metric and say he was really good when he had more than five targets, still. Two of those were with Ben. Yeah, he was on pace for 1,100 yards when he had more than five targets in a game. Obviously, more targets means more yards, but we're just saying, like, Ben's not going to just not target Juju. Juju's his guy. And I I think we get that discounted price this year because of how bad Juju was last year. And and I think he's well worth the risk because with Big Ben, that's his man. There's no reason why he can't have another insane season like he did in 2018 where he had 1,400 yards uh, and, what, seven touchdowns or something like that. I, I think he can reproduce that with Ben in 2020. Love it. I love it. Um, you have I, nothing to add to that. No, I like I, I just think that sort of sums it up. I, I love Juju. I love what he brings to the game. I do think, so the only thing that came up in my research that I thought was sort of interesting was that a lot of people are utilizing the, the argument that, okay, now they have Chase Claypool, now they have... Um, Deontay Johnson, who's developed, they have uh, they have all these weapons, right? They have uh, James Washington. They're like, Guess now who didn't can... develop with Ben, though? Uh, yeah. They didn't develop James with Washington. Ben last year. Well, also Deontay. Deontay. Deontay had two games with him. That's not developing with him. No, I'm saying he... I, I'm saying that, like... No, I'm saying... Looking at the yes, but you're that, saying they did, They developed, but they didn't develop with Ben, right? That, like, so no, they don't have that connection. My, that's not my point. Okay. So you're saying you have these wide receivers who can play on the outside. So they're saying, oh, we can move Juju back into the slot. Juju played more in the slot in 2019 than he did in 2018. And I was like, I was absolutely blown away by that fact because I feel like the the narrative is very much there that he needs to move back into the slot. He was there. And, And I think the, like, let's just, let's. Call it what it is. He he had a bad season. Blue chunks. And, like, we, we can say it's because of the quarterbacks, but we saw Deontay Johnson perform as a rookie, and maybe not in the yards area. And I think that's where we can give Juju some, like, we can discount that, where he doesn't have a lot of yards. Well, Deontay Johnson was fantastic. He had a ton of receptions, and he didn't have a lot of yards. It's Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges were not looking down the field. They were too scared to look down the field. It wasn't happening. All these players had to do work after the catch. So we'll we'll say that you don't just have 1,400-yard seasons and not be good later. Like, it just doesn't happen. 1,400-yard season isn't just because of, oh, A.B. was on the other side. Of course General reminder, he's still 22. Yeah, he's, well, he's 23 now. I think he just turned 23. Oh, but he's still birthday. so he's still so young, and you don't just put up 1,400 yards and just disappear in the NFL. And it's not just because of A.B. 
there were so many wide receivers who played across of AB that didn't put up 1,400 yards. Everyone's obsessed with Calvin Ridley. Why isn't he putting up 1,400 yards across from Julio? Julio. Julio. Julio Julio Jones. DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best in the league. Why aren't those wide receiver twos putting up 1,400 yards? There's other amazing wide receivers in the league, and those wide receiver twos aren't putting up 1,400 yards. So I don't think it's fair to hate on Juju for that reason. There's only 18 wide receivers that have produced 1,400 receiving yards in a single season since 2012. And I am going to go to the list. I'm going to make you listen to these 18 wide receivers and tell me if you if they were good for fantasy for more than one year. OBJ, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Josh Gordon, which we can't really count him because there's other reasons for that. AJ Green, Tyree Kill, T.Y. Hilton, DeAndre Hopkins, Alshon Jeffrey, who has not been so great, but he's had, I mean, he's injured every year. Andre Johnson, one of the best. Calvin Johnson, one of the best. Julio Jones, Brandon Marshall, Jordy Nelson, Allen Robinson, Emmanuel Sanders, which is interesting. Juju, Demarius Thomas, and Michael Thomas. That's Those good are, company. That's, that's the entire list. I'm not leaving anyone out. Those are the only wide receivers in the, since 2012 to have a 1,400-yard season. Like, he's not going to just disappear and suck. Or Remember he'll, this one? He'll be the first one, I guess. I Remember mean, when this it. was a rapid round? Sorry. We'll move on. But I got passionate there. He's my boy. <laughs> All right, let's move on to a guy that's not my boy, so this will go fast. David Johnson, now with Houston. What are your thoughts, Kate? Are you drafting him this year? It definitely depends on how far he falls. So the thing that I find intriguing about David Johnson, and I mentioned this before, sometimes for fantasy You don't need to count on the elite talent. Sometimes having volume is really nice. Last year, Carlos Hyde had 255 touches. Duke Johnson had 127 touches. And that was when they didn't even want anything to do with him. Like, they wanted absolutely nothing to do with Duke Johnson. They were able to accomplish so much behind a terrible offensive line. They were ranked 27th worst by PFF. They they weren't able to do much, but you still had Carlos Hyde, who was a thousand yard receiver or rusher. You had Duke Johnson, who was a, an accomplished pass catcher. So, if you can morph those two together and you do get a better, more complete three down back in David Johnson, is the potential there? I no, think that it's not. It's just not there. Like, I'm cutting you off there because you can say Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson did fine behind that line, but it's like. How fine did they do? Carlos Hyde was the running back 30, and he played a full 16 games. Like, you should not be the running back 30 playing a full but 16 games. But he and Duke Johnson were the yeah. 29 and 30. 29 so and 30. So what, 9.6 points. Like, that's what you want what in PPR? you morph them together? Why, you why are you Johnson? morphing them? Like, what's, where's Duke Johnson going? He's still there. He's still there, but clearly they were missing an asset, and I do think that uh, David Johnson is... But Duke Johnson a, is a better pass catcher, more efficient in the passing game. Mm-hmm. David Johnson was so bad last year, all together, and we're just holding on to this 2016 season where it was magical. That's fine. Like, Bruce Arians was the quarterback, or the quarterback. Bruce Arians was the head coach, and everything was working perfectly, and he had so much volume, and he was amazing. You're holding on to 2016. Like, he's not a good player. yards per attempt, ranked 38th out of 46 running backs with 90-plus carries. He averaged 2.1, I'll give him that, 2.05. Yards after contact per attempt, ranked last for any running back with over 90 carries, 46 out of 46. Only caused, only forced six missed tackles on 94 carries. That's completely terrible. He was the least elusive out of all the running backs when you look at yards after contact and you look at forced missed tackles on the ground and through the air terrible and then even yards after catch right that was the only thing he was good at last year was a receiving game yards after catch he was still one of the very worst in the league so where was the efficiency like if he was good Arizona's not just dropping him they you know they're not they said they would cut him before they randomly got a second round pick that was just magical right that they got DeAndre Hopkins and just you know that was a magical trade that's not normal I don't – they were willing to cut him if they couldn't get a trade. So, they already said that. I, I don't – David Johnson's not well, good. He, He's not he good. had a major contract, and why would you why would you continue to pay on that deal in full 
when you have because you still owed him so much if you cut yeah yeah you you did but okay hear me out so uh i've been the queen of the splits tonight i've been talking about splits a lot rotoviz check them out rotoviz.com have, you're looking at a two-game split. I see what you have in here. You're looking at a two-game two split. split. That's not no, a split. No, no. You, you stop looking at my notes. <laughs> so the the game split is uh, in games where David Johnson saw at least 12 rushing attempts. Is that a reasonable projection for him? Not in a two-game split, no. No. I, no, 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 no. I'm not asking about the results. I'm asking if him... Yeah, he getting, better have 12 attempts. Exactly. So when you're looking at the overall career split of David Johnson, when he gets more than 12 carries, which I'm going to project him out for at least 12 carries per game. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because he's David G.D. Johnson. Okay. When he actually sees work, like, he gets the volume. He gets the points. In games where he saw at least 12 carries, he's averaged... 22 and a half PPR points per game in contrast to the 32 games where he hasn't seen 12 carries per game he's averaged 11.8 points per game in PPR formats that's great but it's including his 2016 year that was amazing I, I just so we're looking at last year because last year is what I really want to look there's at there's a 32 game he's uh, old so, like so he's he has, he's 28 right he has fewer games where he's seen 12 carries per game than he has Fewer. I, I just think that when you're looking at his 2016... You want to talk about sample size. You're including his 2016 season, which is fine. I mean, he was good at some time. 2016, again, we're in 2020. That's a long ways away. He's now 28. And for a running back, that is getting up in age, especially for a guy that gets injured quite often. And he's 28 and a half. So by the time we get to the season, he's going to be almost 29 years old. And you're, you're talking about these two games that you brought up at first that he was really good in, that he had more than 12 carries. Okay, so That's let's against go, Detroit and Cincinnati. Let's go to the last two seasons, 2018-2019. He had a 14-game split in each side. So 14 games where he had more than 12 rushing attempts, 14 games where he had fewer. In those that he had at least five rushing attempts, he was on pace for 259 PPR points. Those without, no one is saying that he's he's going to have massive volume. I'm just I'm saying volume is king. Yeah, and that's what we could have said about Carlos Hyde last year, right? Like he was fine, he was good, he was decent. He's still the running back thirty, like not someone you want to play very often. You can plug him in if you need someone. It's not someone you want to play. Don't you agree that most of those fantasy points for David Johnson came in the receiving game, like that you're looking at for the past two years? Uh-huh. Most of his points came in the receiving game. 100%. For the past two years, uh, when he had more than 12 carries, he averaged 70 rushing yards per game in contrast to 22 rushing car- rushing yards per Well, yeah, because he's terribly efficiency-wise. Efficiency How many receptions? Uh, receptions, uh, let's see, receptions, receptions. Uh, 3.2 to 2.8. Okay. Game. Well, you definitely don't want receptions to go down. So I don't think saying like, ooh, these these games were in more than 12. Like, you want receptions in PPR. And that's where he got all of his points last year because he was garbage on the ground. Except for those two games against Cincy and Detroit where he had 70 and 80 yards on the ground. Woo! Seven and eight points in PPR. Like, yay! Against the two worst defenses in the league. Go him. He got all of his points through the air. And Deshaun Watson just doesn't throw to his running backs. Like... We were so excited for Duke Johnson to go there. I mean, when I say we, other people were. He had 62 targets, which is fine. Third most targeted player on the team. That's that's fine. 62 targets, but he's not going anywhere, right? And it still just felt like he wasn't using him enough in that area. And then with 2018, Lamar Miller had the most targets for any running back with 35. 35 targets was the most for any running back. He was a fifth option on the team. So just... Looking at Watson, like, he just doesn't prefer to throw to the running back position. He likes to throw it deep. He likes to go deep. Like, he's just not a dump-off guy. He's going to run when he needs to. That's that's his safety valve is running. And then he likes to throw deeper. And David Johnson's just not that type of guy. I, I think if they're going to use a running back in that situation, it's going to be Duke Johnson. Because David Johnson, after the catch, is just so not good because he's not good. Okay. I'm just, I'm here to play devil's advocate. 
I'm going to get people really mad where about that does, take, but you, he had he one drop? good season. He had where one he, good season. Where does he drop before you, you bite? I don't know. I don't care. Um, what <laughs> I, like, he's a, where is he going right now? Let me look. He's going later. I mean, he's not going. He's going at, no, oh, my God. He's still going as a running back 20. Like, that's not touching it. He's going before James Conner, which I think is silly because both are very injury prone and James Conner is way better when he plays uh, for for fantasy. He's going, I mean, he's going before Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram, well before Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram was a top 10 running back last year, and I'm not scared of J.K. Dobbins stealing too much work in his rookie season. I probably would rather cream hunt. I'd probably rather take the chance on Darius Geis staying healthy because at least when he's healthy, he's really good. You would rather take Darius Geis? Yeah, because when he's healthy, he's actually a good running back. David Johnson's not a good running back. When he's actually healthy. You want to talk about a small game sample size? Yeah. When he's healthy. He was better than him in college, too. All right, guys, we're going to close this one out. Uh, I'm going to... Sling the hammer on this one. The case is closed. Michelle, he's going before David Montgomery. You're being a goofball. David Montgomery is going to get a ton of volume too. Why don't you want him? No, I would take him over, or I would take David Montgomery over David Johnson. Well, guess what? He's going for he's going four running back slots later. Well, that's silly. That's anyway, silly. everybody, thank you for joining us today. Uh, please check out the myfrontpagestory.com website so you could get your dad a badass Father's Day gift. Use promo code BLAST20 for 20% off. We appreciate all of your support and thank you so much for listening. Go check out our website, ballblastfootball.com. I didn't say the www this time. I'm getting better. But yeah, go check us out. We have some good articles over there. Our writers are doing great stuff. We will be on a live stream tomorrow night, Thursday, depending on when you listen to this. So guys, Every Thursday, we're going to be doing a live stream at 9 p.m., yep. so please check double that date. out. Kate and Michelle, double date, and we Kate just talk Michelle, fantasy football date. with two other people. So it's us two, double dating with two other people, and uh, we just talk fantasy football, but it's a fun time, so go go uh, follow us on Twitter to get on that live stream. Or YouTube. We're or on YouTube. Twitter. Yeah. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on the Instagram. We're on all the places. All so right. thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.